0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The The, The winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight,
1: opinions, and
0: interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now on your Raiders and the NFL. Host Scott Goldbranson and Mo.
2: Bocin.
3: Welcome back, everybody. It's time for another edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard on the radio in Las Vegas on the bet. So those of you listening in Las Vegas, hope you're keeping cool uh, and you're getting ready for one more week until the Raiders come home and kick off the season there at Allegiant Stadium. I am Scott Goldbranson, your host. I am joined by my co-host, my partner in this whole Rigor Moreau jazz thing or whatever it is we call we do here. Um, That is Mr. Mo Moten, also a.k.a. Midtown Mo. He's a senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also writes about the Raiders on SportsNot.com where you can also catch him on the X or X.com. I've now noticed, Mo, news organizations are saying it this way. X.com, the site formerly known as Twitter. Seems a little long to me.
4: That's actually protocol because I've actually that's, gotten that that's, That department. I think it's
3: AP, no, that's, AP style I think. I, I got to double check. You have to add that
4: formally known as Twitter because you just say x.com it sounds kind of sketchy. I'm just going to
3: say right Yeah, there. it it does. <laughs> I like you when you say Twitter X. I think that's pretty funny. But
4: I like Twitter X.
3: But anyway, you can follow Mo there if you dare because his his food uh, opinions don't always Jive with everybody else's uh, at Mo Moten, M O E M O T U N I'm at L V Gull. You can also catch my work up on sportsnot.com where I write about a little bit of everything. Mo, I'm actually working on a baseball story, a long baseball story, which I haven't done in probably 20 years. Very interesting. I'm going back and you sometimes, you know, when you're when you when you do the craft and you don't do it for a while. It, it's, it's one of those situations where you, you kind of have to relearn some of it. Ba- you know, going back and talking about baseball, when I've been doing football for eight years now, um, it's, it's, it's different. I know you do basketball, but you don't do baseball, right?
4: I, I'm, I grew up a Met fan. I'm not going to even talk about baseball today. Yeah, that doesn't ca-
3: – hey, I'm a Padre fan. <laughs> Neither one play baseball. They just but run I, around l- l- Listen,
4: I, I know the fans – I know the fans are not here to, here to hear you talk about how bad the Padres are. No, they they're here for the man of the hour, Matt Holder.
3: Yes, yes, we're, we're getting there, and and so Mo just uh, decided to go ahead and introduce him. So, but that's good. we'll bring him in because he's got to get he's got to get out of here and do some things too. He's got a lot of work to do. It's football season. I mean, geez, he he only makes everybody smarter about football by teaching <laughs> us things. Uh, Matt Holder from Bleacher Report is with us. He also writes up on Silver and Black Pride, part of SB Nation, covering the Raiders. Uh, and uh, welcome back to the show, Matt. All right, so we're going to talk about Tyree Wilson. We're going to go a little in-depth. A lot of fans, I mean, the video, you've seen Brian Baldinger, who's on our show all the time. He did a video. Uh, Ted up at The Athletic did a video. You've done a video. People are noticing this. Um, I tried to calm people down a little bit because people were like, hey, so slow off the ball. Yes, he was. Uh, but you could see some of the the, the flashes there that made him a first-round draft pick. But when you look at this, it's not surprising to you. You're like, uh, hello, I studied the whole entire draft. Tell us a little bit about Tyree Wilson, the college player, before he was drafted and kind of what the upside-downside was for him. And then we'll transition into how we're seeing it now.
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest things that's kind of coming to fruition as uh, Baldy very eloquently uh, pointed out on his little rant on Twitter, and (laughs) I I even mentioned too, I I almost felt bad for the guy. Like you said, like all the people are picking on him. Like I'm just joining in on the party. But um, what's the get off? Like that was something at Texas Tech that kind of noticed in his last year right there where he was always just kind of laid off the ball. And that's something that can be developed. Working with a veteran guy like Max Crosby, who I mean, Max Crosby has talked about know some of the things that he keys on um you know he's i think he's even said he does not even watch the ball anymore he kind of like studies film during the week and sees what offensive linemen what body part they move first mm-hmm. and uh then he starts getting off and or then he translates that to the game to help his get off so i think working with a guy like max crosby over the flash, uh, for over the next few years can help him you know get better in that department that's something that's fixable um don't not huge on his initial quickness either which is a little bit less you know um being able to or be a little bit less uh, fixable in a sense. Of, sorry, I forget my words here. Great for the podcast. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah so. You Mo know, has it takes that effect on people to, man. Yeah, I know, exactly. Right? It's all most full. I like So I like to play it. <laughs> it's it's but, the yeah.
4: chain. It's the chain. It is. In your it's eyes. it's just it.
1: shining and, and distracting me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, a little bit of the, like the athleticism issues that I think are, you know, you're seeing a little bit in part of his head. That's something that's going to be, he's going to have to work with. But again, you know, like you guys said, I keep going to keep going back to that Dallas Cowboys game where he, you know, pushed that poor tackle uh, halfway <laughs> to Austin or whatnot, and uh, you know was physically dominant. So I think you know those are the traits that you're going to see, and we've seen the flashes, we've seen you know what made him so so successful at Texas Tech and like a man amongst boys at certain times. Um, it's just obviously when you have the first uh, first taste, and it doesn't exactly look good. <laughs> can uh, get fans a little angry you know obviously you'd love to have your your top 10 pick hit the ground running but at the end of the day he is still a rookie and i think this situation too for him in denver um you know obviously not having participated in any of the offseason workouts or the combine stuff with the foot injury then missing you know training camp or most of training camp had the training wheels on during training camp the guy's just not in playing shape right now and then on top of it, you go out and play in Denver, which is probably the worst spot to play with the altitude up there for someone who's not in shape yet. And I think that's a big part of why he didn't start, even with everything that was going on with Chandler Jones. So a lot of mixed or a lot of stuff going on that I think wasn't working in his favor. And Again, I think got to be a little bit more patient with him because of that injury and because he's not in shape yet. You know, let's 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 let him going to at least a, till October. So we start uh, calling for his job. Right.
4: And man, that's, that's what I was going to say is how long do you think it will take him? You just answered the question right there, October. And I've always said on my Bleach Report Live and on this show that I give it the second half of the season. I want to see what yeah. Tyree Wilson looks in the second half of the season because he didn't have much time in training camp, had 12 snaps in the pre, in the preseason. So I ask you this, is it, because I saw some fans asking this question, how much of it do you think is he's just slow getting off the ball, which you put in your Bleach Report scouting report for Tyree Wilson, I remember. But how much of it is do you think he was just in his own head, overthinking it as a rookie, not having so much time on the field? Because I think some of that, too, is you have to people say you have to play and not just react to everything. And it seemed like he was just not was just but he was the last guy off the ball. And it was just a lot of reacting and not playing football. So as he gets comfortable, I think naturally do you think that gets better His get off the ball?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, like I said, I think working with a guy like Crosby and starting to pick up those veteran tricks of the trade that uh, can definitely help him out. Um, You know, at Texas Tech, he was the man. He wasn't the guy that was looking for advice. He was the guy people were coming to him for advice for. And I think that's a transition for a lot of rookies. So, I mean, like you said, you know, as he gets in better shape, as he gets more experience and starts picking up on things, that's something that can definitely get better, you know. so I, I like where you're at. We're at with like the saying about midseason to start to judge him. I definitely would agree with you when I was talking to October, I'm saying a little more tongue in cheek. So, yeah, <laughs> I think once the uh, once November starts rolling around, once the midseason, then we can really start getting into nitpicking in, his game. But yeah, I definitely uh, definitely hear you um, as they as the year goes on. I think that get off will get better. I don't know if it'll ever be, you know, the elite that we're talking about in the NFL, but I bet he's not going to be, you know, half a second off late off the ball like we saw him uh, this past week.
3: Yeah, that anticipate that snap anticipation. I mean, that that one clip obviously is is going to haunt him until it doesn't, which means, you know, when he starts doing a better job of it, because it is it it is shocking when you see Max Crosby. And again, it's not fair to compare the two because Max Crosby, although a fourth round draft pick, not a first round has that experience and he's been working at his craft as a professional, so I think it, it goes, uh, goes a little different there. But when you look at that too, and in, in, in focusing, I mean, obviously they look at the film, the team watches the film together, everybody sees it. So that becomes an early test. To your point about he was a leader at Texas Tech, people came to him uh, with all sorts of things, whether it was football related, off the field, whatever. Now he's in the position where he's he's got to find his way. And so it becomes a true test of character there as well. What do we know about him when it comes to that? He's had challenges with injuries and things like that in the past as well. But but how for a player coming in as a rookie, as much scouting as you do of the draft, um, when a guy comes in and he's, look, he's king of the hill in college, and then he comes in and guess what? He's starting at the bottom wrong. How hard is it for guys to do that? And 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 when can you tell if a guy's not able to?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the best things I think you can kind of compare it to is it's like going, you know, from eighth grade to your freshman year of high school where you're all of a sudden you're in the big, uh, you're not the, the big fish in the small pond anymore. You're the small fish in the big pond. So I think, yeah, that's definitely something you, you know, you can grow with and you can kind of step in your own leadership and, uh, step in your own leadership and, uh, you know, kind of make yourself better. But, As far as the timeline, I mean, everyone's so different, especially with that kind of stuff. You know, he was a guy that, like I said, was a captain at uh, Texas Tech and was a leader there. All the reports about him off the field were pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good and no no red flags or anything like that. Um, So I think he will put it together, you know, when exactly that happens and when he starts kind of coming more comfortable. Usually I feel like that probably happens around like the second or third year with a guy where a guy's, you know, got their feet wet. They have experience and they know what they're doing a little bit more. They're not running around like a chicken with their head cut off, which most <laughs> rookies are. So yeah, probably at least probably a couple of years for for Tyree. But again, you know he has the the background and everything you're looking for um, for someone to step up like that.
4: So I think one thing I would suggest for Tyree Wilson, he to watch Chiefs tackle Juwan Taylor if he wants to get a good step off the ball and just kind of be early out of his stance. Because as you saw in that season opening game, Juwan Taylor was basically in the backfield before the ball was snapped. So, if he wants to get some pointers, Jawan Taylor from the Chiefs is the guy to contact. But we won't beat up on Tyree Wilson. I, I will say this: the Raiders have an important game coming up against the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen a mobile quarterback. Yes, he has the turnovers. I say he has some Brett Favre in him, but he's mobile and he and he can hurt you because the Bills, if they can put up 21 points you're just like that, if he's on fire, the Raiders obviously can see that what we see. Tyree Wilson is not there yet. Who should the Raiders give their snaps to on the edge? Assuming Tyree Wilson, maybe. Dials back on his role because I think Malcolm Kuntz had some nice plays. Maybe didn't have you know something you would look at in the box score two sacks, but I I think that he's a more ready-made player to to be on the field against the pass rush or on the pass rush over Ty Wilson, perhaps Isaac Ro- Isaac Rochelle, who I think had a pretty good preseason debut this year. He only played two snaps against the Broncos. He had an injury, I believe. The Raiders waved him, brought him back on the practice squad. But he's the type of player that could play inside and outside, kind of like how they use Jerry Tillery. And I think Isaac Rochelle could be a better player than inside-outside player over Tillery. Is there anyone in particular that you're looking at maybe to get more snaps against the Buffalo Bills?
1: Well, you kind of took the the words right out of my mouth there, Mo. I'm definitely Sorry. a big proponent of – oh, you're good. You're, uh, I'm definitely a big proponent of giving Malcolm Kuntz some uh, – some more snaps in Buffalo, you know, where he, where he went to college. So a little bit more familiar place for him. Hi. Um, Koons was a guy that definitely popped up up on the tape for me uh, when I was watching the Broncos game. And I'll be honest, going into the season, I wasn't really high on him. I didn't think he would play much. I think in my final 53 man projection, I left him off of it or thought he might get <laughs> traded. And again, week one, I'm sitting here saying he needs to play more. So I'm willing to put my hand up and say that that guy or said I was wrong on that guy. I think he flashes a pass rusher. Like you said, didn't have sacks, but on Crosby sack, Crosby didn't get it a half second later, uh, Malcolm Koontz was going to get it. And he had another rush too, where he had a, a did a nice job turning speed to power. And he surprised me a little bit with his run defense. That's always going to be his struggle, or that's always going to be the struggle with Koontz. Um, but he even had a couple of nice plays where, you know, he's making guys miss or making offensive line and miss. He's never going to be someone that's going to go through a guy's chest, but if you can use his uh, athletic ability to, to get in the backfield and get some penetration, that's something that I think um, the Raiders defensive line can use, especially this past week. So, I'd like to see Malcolm Koontz get the start this week over Jerry Tillery, So, but we'll see how it happens.
3: Matt, let me ask you this question, too, as we're talking about the defense. Um, in the first game of the season, the win over Denver, I thought it was a tale of two halves. I thought early on they really struggled, and then as they got in the second half, obviously they made some big stops, too, which was huge for this team to be able to win the game. What did you see overall? I mean, I, Mo and I talked about it uh, uh, before on our last show, about the fact that, you know, we were really underwhelmed by the safety play. Trayvon Morig still cont- continues to struggle as Marcus Epps had some nice moments, but he also had some, some moments that weren't so great. Uh, and then, of course, you, we were talking about, before we went on the air and, and talking about earlier, about Nate Hobbs, best tackler on the team, I think. he's really just continues to develop nicely. But what did you see overall with this defense now going into Buffalo and having to contend with a team actual that has an actual Functioning offense, unlike Denver. Now I know Denver didn't do terrible, but clearly they're not in the same class.
1: Yeah, I mean I think one thing that stood out to me about the defense was kind of what you're talking about was Nate Hobbs was playing a little bit more, almost like a the third linebacker. The Raiders they ran maybe a few plays outside of their nickel personnel. You know I think Spillane came in as the third linebacker for maybe four or five plays, um, but for the most part, even when the Broncos were going in their heavy personnel and their their jumbo packages. Hobbs was staying in the game and he held his own. I mean, he had a pretty good uh, showing against the run. Um, Like you said, uh, a willing tackler. So that was something that was really encouraging for me. You know, I think the safety play can definitely get better. You know, Mary that one touchdown that he gave up, he just kind of lost his guy in coverage and Epps gave up the other one. But what I will say in support of both those guys is both those were off scrambles where the pass rush just didn't hit home. It's hard to cover for six, seven seconds out there. And that's what was killing the Raiders and that was honestly what kept the Broncos in the game is a lot of the Broncos' big plays and their two touchdowns were literally off scrambles. Off scramble. And I think that's one of the things that kind of worries me going into this Bills game is that's what Josh Allen wants. Like Josh Allen would almost rather have you just, you know, not uh, just cover it up and cover up the play initially and then turn it into a backyard football stick in the dirt. That's how he, that's when he's at his best, when he can create. And same with a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert's in the same vein too, the Raiders are going to have to see four times or two times each this year. So that's kind of one of my biggest concerns is, you know, is this pass rush? Is someone going to start winning the one on one matchups besides Max Crosby? Because, again, that was one of their biggest weaknesses. And I think a big reason why Denver was able to move the ball on him last week.
4: Now, you do a pretty good show, a damn good show with Marcus Johnson, who I'm familiar with. Shout out to him. Uh, tape don't lie. Right. So I, I know you guys looked at the offensive line. So I want to switch over to the offensive side of the ball. What did you see from the offensive line because the one thing that i will say a lot of people ask why didn't hunter renfro get enough you know more snaps and what i saw was they had an extra offensive lineman out there or in line tight end so if you have an extra offensive lineman out there somebody has to come off the field and it's not going to be Devonte adams it's not going to mm-hmm. be jacoby myers with his connection with Jimmy garoppolo it had to be hunter renfro but i'll let you talk what, what did you see from the offensive line and how did it impact the, the raiders offense
1: well, I think one of the biggest things was, you know, what I was just saying about the Raiders pass rush not getting home. The, the Raiders offensive line did excellent pass protection too, which we kind of know to come from them from last year. You know, I thought they did an excellent job. Running game, you know, I was a little underwhelmed with them, especially in the red zone. You know, Marcus pointed that out in our latest episode. How they weren't getting enough push, and when you start to get in the red zone, that's when you need to start moving people out of the way because defenders don't have as much space to carry or co- to cover, so they can come down and be a little bit more aggressive. So I think that was one of the biggest things is, you know, in pass protection, they were definitely stout. The running game, I felt like they left a little bit of meat on the bone. You know, I know they are bringing in Thayer Munford as that extra tight end, which they kind of need because right now their tight ends aren't exactly the greatest blockers right now with Michael Mayer and Austin Hooper. Um, but at the same time, you can't average – you can't do that, bring the ta- bring an offensive tackle onto the game more and still average 2.1 yards per carry, which I think was what they ended with. So – I definitely feel like, you know, that's the biggest area for improvement, um, you know, for them offensively as a whole. It's just if, if they can start moving the ball and start getting the running game going, which uh, obviously they were able to do last year with Jacobs. But Jacobs also did quite a bit of creating on his own last year, where if you go look at the the PFF stats, he had was one of the tops for yards after contact, too. So I definitely feel like, you know, but the offensive line for the status pass protection is definitely good. Um, but we need to, need, need to find somebody that can step it up in the, the run game and start moving people. But wasn't I was pretty impressed with what I saw from uh, Greg Van Roten. I thought he had one of the, the better games uh, or most surprising games, I guess, for me for watching Alex Bars play right card up for most of last <laughs> yes, so and, was, Mo was was the last
3: year. Yes, and Mo was the president of his fan club
1: all summer, by the way. Yeah, I was
4: crushing Alex Bars all summer. I'm sorry. Yes. Alex yes. Barrs family members, I'm sorry. I, you
1: know, <laughs> he's you not don't don't starting We were doing team. it on tape, don't lie, too, so don't <laughs> worry. Oh, I know. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, Matt, before we let you go, though, I have to get one comment uh, to put you in hot water with everybody, because you can't win when I ask you this question. Ready? <laughs> quarterback play. Same okay, so quarterback play. So Jimmy Garoppolo had, in my view, a very Jimmy Garoppolo-type game. Now, You're not going to look at the stat sheet and say, wow, this guy's going to be an MVP. But he was efficient. He had the one bad throw in the end zone uh, when he had an open Devontae Adams coming out of the slot, right, on the same play, and he threw the interception. But overall, a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense, which was pretty much, with the exception of some of the new wide receivers and tight end, pretty much the same as it was last year. What did you notice about how the offense is running with him at quarterback versus Derek Carr?
1: I think one of the biggest things was Jimmy Garoppolo making some plays with his feet. You know, he sealed the game with the, that last run, which, you know, and a lot of people have grown up uh, pretty frustrated with Derek over the last few years about. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest things is, you know, Jimmy was willing to tuck it and run a little bit and take off and and uh, pick up those first downs with his legs. Um, you know, like you said, I feel like in the red zone, that was probably one of the biggest disappointments that, it, that interception is. think is going to haunt him, kind of forced it into coverage. had Might have had DeMazze open. It would have been a tough throw, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, you can't turn around and throw a pick on the other side of the field. Uh, and at least, to, at least if you throw an interception, throwing to Devonta, you're throwing. It, you're targeting the uh, the number one receiver in the NFL. So I think that's one of the biggest things is can he kind of get back to being more accurate? I'd like to see him target the tight ends a little bit more. That was something I was kind of expecting of him in the game last year. And the only one that caught a pass was Austin Hooper. Him and George Kittle. Granted, George Kittle's you know obviously one of the better ones in the league. But him and George Kittle had a great connection in the red zone where Jimmy would kind of just throw it up and almost almost look past other guys that were open to give Kittle a chance in the end zone. That's how much he trusted him. So i kind of hoping that they can figure that out maybe a little bit, Michael. maybe figure that out with Michael Mayer, who was really good in the red zone at Notre Dame and is good in contested catches. So um, that's kind of the biggest, definitely one of the biggest areas of improvement that I, I'd like to see from Jimmy is, you know, that's supposed to be his claim to fame or his biggest or probably one of his biggest strengths over Derek Carr is He's really good and really efficient in the red zone, and we didn't quite see that uh, last week. But
3: that's fair, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and the patience thing with some of these young players, fans don't have it. I understand it; they just want to win. They want their team to do well. They want to make sure that their draft picks that their GM took are great, and they're they're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, whatever it is. They're just um, you know impatient as well, which we understand as well. Make sure you follow Matt on the site formerly known as Twitter. I'm not even going to put the letter in. Uh, You can follow him at mholder95, mholder95, a great follow on Twitter. So if you don't already do it, go do it now, uh, and we certainly appreciate it. Matt, thanks, my man. We'll have you back on, I'm sure, as we progress along the season. We'll get an update from you on Tyree Wilson. And then maybe next time, too, we'll talk about, in several weeks, we'll talk about, too, Michael Mayer and see how he's doing. If he learned how to block yet. In the pro (laughs) level. Uh, And then hopefully they're able to kind of unhinge him offensively. So thanks for being with us, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. All right.
3: There you go. Matt Holder, always, always a great guest. And uh, everything he does is, is top notch. So make sure if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see the tape. Don't lie stuff. You'll see the stuff from Bleacher Report. You'll see the stuff from Silver and Black Pride. He's all over the place and does great work. So make sure you do that. All right. We're going to take our first break. That was a nice long segment because it deserved it. I hope you appreciate that. And we're not even charged for it, Mo. We're not charging anybody for that content. It's just Matt's out the, there Matt, for them.
4: Matt Holders. Not, I'm not just saying it's because he's my Bleacher Report brethren, but Matt's the guy, man. And if I, you know, he's done, he, done a, he did a bunch of Bleacher Reports, Skyline Reports, had one on Tyree Wilson that I looked up, and and every and a lot of things that he said we're seeing early. But I, says, yes. as he said and as I said, Give them some time. Give them some time to get into playing shape.
3: Absolutely. Okay. It's time to pay some of those bills since you're not paying for us. I'm kidding. Uh, We love you guys. Uh, We'll be back right after this break on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go
2: anywhere.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Welcome back. Silver and black today at Odyssey original podcast. Also heard on the radio on the radio. What's that song? No, I don't even think I'm singing it right. Anyway, it is the bet in Las Vegas. So if you're listening to us there, thank you for doing that. We certainly appreciate it. It's a Saturday night. If you're listening to us on the radio, so have fun and be safe. I am Scott and I am your host. I am also accompanied by my guy, my partner, my colleague, what else can we say? Compadre. Compadre. Hey, look at that. Look at Mo coming up with the Spanish. Mo Moten, senior NFL writer at Bleach Report, also Raiders columnist up at SportsKnot.com, where I also work. Yes, you can find my stuff there as well. Follow Mo on Twitter, M O E M O T O N, the site formerly known as Twitter. I got to get used to that. And I am at LV Gully, and we're going to talk Raiders football. Raiders preparing to go to Buffalo. You know what's really interesting, Mo? Have you seen the discussion? The discussion, well, the Bills are hurting, man. They're going home. They're hurting. And then you got the other half of the audience saying, oh, they're going to be pissed. They're pissed. They're going to come out and want blood. I think, I think the reality is in somewhere in between, right? Because, you know, when you, when, you, when you have a situation like you saw in New York where the Jets are as low as you can be because of the Rodgers injury, and then they win the game on an incredible play... They come back they stay in you get shocked by that it shocks your confidence it kind of takes you back now you get to go home and try to lick your wounds a little bit but i think i think i think it's both sides of that is overrated the bills on paper and again everything's on paper are a better team than the raiders i mean all you got to do is look at the last couple years but they've also had struggles right so so i and we'll get to kind of our predictions later on but but the the team, the Raiders preparing for the Bills, I think, have a little bit of an advantage just because they haven't had much of the drama. They're coming off a win. You always feel better off a win, right? Um, but they, they're they in West Virginia. They wanted to acclimate press conference on Wednesday. Coach McDaniel said, well, we want to get them in some humidity. Welcome. Gets them in some humidity. We wanted to get them on East Coast time zone early. Um, because we know the stats, Mo, with West teams going East, it's not good. Um, what do you think of this whole idea of theirs going to West Virginia and practicing out there?
4: I think it's a good plan to have. At least they at least they have a plan, <laughs> you know, so I, you give them that first step that they're trying yeah. to acclimate to the time zone and to the switching coast. So kudos to the, to the Raiders for, you know, getting ahead of it, but – it all boils down to what goes down on the football field. And you said it at the beginning of this discussion. On one hand, you have a playoff team who, felt, who probably felt embarrassed after that loss, particularly Josh Allen, mm-hmm. who put the loss on him and said, look, I, I cost us that game. So I expect Josh Allen to be more buttoned up when he plays the Raiders. But he is who he is. We've seen, what, five years of Josh Allen now? Going on six? He will throw the ball up. I've said this multiple times over the past 24 hours. Josh Allen has a lot of Brett Favre in him. He's (laughs) going to make some spectacular throws, but he's also going to give you a chance at least two or three times in a game to get an interception. And the Raiders, once those opportunities come, the Raiders have to take advantage of that, whether it's Trayvon Merrick on the back end, whether it's Marcus Peters, which Corian Bennett on the boundary, whether it's Nate Hobbs or Divine Diablo in the middle of the field. When that time comes and he throws that ball up for grabs, You have to make a play on it. Because what do we hear a lot this offseason? All the Raiders' defense is a different vibe. They're forcing all these turnovers. Interception here, interception there. Well, they're going to have the chance to show it on the field with Josh Allen, who is a turnover machine. He's had nine interceptions in the last five games. What you saw Monday night is not a blip on the radar. This is who he's been, especially after Brian Dable took the head coaching job with the New York Giants.
3: Yeah, and I was going to mention that, too, my friend, because it's interesting, now especially – And and hopefully I'm not being too critical here because I don't mean to because I respect people who work in our business and spend a lot of time working hard. But now you have NFL teams have their own media arm. You have the NFL Network, which I'm a daily watcher of. I listen to NFL radio on satellite radio. I listen to all the stuff. It's great stuff. But it also is pre-produced. So we've been hearing about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And I'm not saying I, I said earlier, they're good team, very good team. But we've been hearing all this Josh Allen stuff. And then when you see those numbers, Mo, when you read the numbers, for those of you who still read stuff, when you read the numbers, to your point, you see there's been struggles, especially when he lost his offensive coordinator who went to coach the Giants. So you see that. And, and so I think for a lot of people, casual fans, they're going to pick the Bills over the Raiders. I don't care if it's against the spread or straight up. Because they know that the vaunted Bills and the Bills have been close to the, in the playoffs. And Josh Allen is a super quarterback. He's a top three quarterback or top four quarterback. But in reality, especially over the last five or six games, it's been trending south. And so I think if you're a Raiders fan, I'm not trying to get your hopes up too much. But the Raiders, if they can play effectively, especially on defense, and create turnovers, as you said, because they didn't create a turnover in Denver... Um, they got a real good shot at this game, and, and this is the kind of game, and tell me if I'm being too hyperbolic here, this is the kind of game I think can make your early season significantly if you can go on the road and get it.
4: So the Raiders played three of their first four games on the road. I just did a beach report live stream, that, and I said that if the Raiders beat the Bills— People are going to start having to change their perception of the Raiders season. Remember what we said yeah. during the offseason and leading up to week one, a lot of analysts saying Raiders are only going to win three, four games. And while I don't have the Raiders in the playoffs, I said three, four games is way too low. Now I'm not going to get ahead of myself and said, they're going to beat the bills, but you're definitely going to have to change your opinion or your office, your off season predictions for the Raiders win loss record. If they do beat the bills with that said, this is a big test for their defense. Can yeah. they take advantage of those opportunities? And you're going up against a playoff-caliber squad. Even with Josh Allen's mistakes and his turnovers, his miscues, fumbles, and interceptions, the Bills are still a playoff team. You still have to respect the Bills as a playoff team because they can score 21 points in a matter of two minutes. Yes, It could happen. If Josh Allen is not turning the ball over, he's throwing 50-yard bombs to Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis. Right, It could happen. So yeah. while, I, while I feel like the Raiders have an opportunity to win this game, this, this is not an unbeatable Bills team. This is a test to see if the defense is really making strides or not.
3: Exactly. And the pass rush has to be there. There has to be—you can't can't have a lack of a pass rush. With the receiving core they have, with young cornerbacks, with safeties that are trying to play their way back into a much more solid position, if you give them, as Matt said, you give them six or seven seconds, it's over. It's going to be real tough to contain that Buffalo team. Uh Buffalo's offensive line. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mo.
4: Here, here's an alarming stat. Even though the Raiders won the game 17, 17 16 Russell Wilson had an average of 2.7 seconds per drop back before he threw the ball or felt pressure. That's fifth longest in the league. If they give Josh Allen that much time yeah. in the pocket, he's going to burn you. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. And it would be a very high-scoring game. I could, you know, that's that that's the danger, is that you have to be very, very, very attentive there and you have to you have to play tough defense. It's just gonna have to work that way. Um Mo, we talk about injuries. Jacoby Myers still in the protocol. My guess is at this point, I know it's the first day of practice this week today, but if he's still in the protocol on Wednesday, I would I would imagine him playing Sunday in Buffalo is is pretty much not going to happen. Still could. Um, It's not out of the realm of possibility, but knowing how the NFL is taking these things and knowing how significant he got hit. I would imagine he'll miss this next game, which opens up some for uh, some time for Hunter Renfro. Right. So we should see Hunter Renfro a little bit more, although Myers didn't play a lot in the slot um, the last game against Denver. But it'll be interesting to see who steps up. Do we see DeAndre Carter more at wide receiver uh, because it's next man up at this point?
4: I think the next man up you'll see is Christian Wilkerson, who was a surprise keeper on the 53-man depth chart. Um, because as you said, Jacoby Myers didn't really line up a whole lot in the slot. So without him on the field, you can't just assume that Hunter Renfro is going to soak up all the little snaps because Hunter Renfro doesn't line up for the most part on the outside. Right. So it, it's also a matter of what I brought up with Matt. If the Raiders go with six offensive linemen or an extra inline tight end, you're only going to have two wide receivers on the field anyway. Now, maybe that is Hunter Renfro along with Devontae Adams. We'll see. But a lot of people that have asked, you know, what do you think about Hunter Renfro not getting all these snaps? And what have we been saying all offseason? He's going <laughs> to have a reduced role. And right. I, I feel like people haven't been listening to me for the past three, four months. Yeah. I understand that I thought he would be trading. He's still there. But I also said that if he stays, he's not going to have a, as big a role as a lot of people think on this offense because they brought in Jacoby Myers, who comes from over from New England. And he's they pay, I understand they need to pay him a ton, but three years, 33000000 million isn't anything that's sneezing at. They're not going to stick him on the bench after paying him that much money. You knew he was going to have a sizable role. But if he's not able to go, I would assume we see more of Hunter Renfro. But I would say this, that the Raiders need to establish a run. Matt talked about it. Not getting enough push for having an extra offensive lineman or a tight end on the field. They have to get Josh Jacobs going because the Jets did have some success running the football with Brees Hall and Delvin Cook.
3: Yeah, also yesterday, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Garoppolo, on the injury report uh, with a foot and an ankle, respectively, did not practice on Wednesday, but really um, more of kind of a veterans day, right? So veterans can take a day off, in essence. So that's probably much and, – and listen, every every week in the NFL, every player has bumps and bruises. So um, I'm assuming with Adams – because we didn't see him adversely, adversely affected during the game at all – Best we could tell. And of course, Garoppolo had a couple run ins with uh, with Denver defenders and uh, with that foot, especially surgically repaired. um, And the ankle, I can imagine, you know, it's just going to hurt for a while too. anyway, as he plays back into into game shape. Um, Not really worried about any of those injuries at all. uh, Mo. It
4: was his first game since late November, I believe. Remember, he he -hmm. didn't finish his last season in San Francisco. He got hurt late November, early December, missed the rest of the season. He had some days off in training camp. You have to, you know, I think it's at least plausible that he's going to get those veteran days off during the season. Whereas Devontae Adams, I don't know where he got nicked up at. I know he had an injury during the off season, I believe, you know, maybe there's just a little rest period for him on that one. But Vic Tabor of the athletics said both players basically said they're going to be fine, basically, as you said, just to kind of a veteran's day off to get them rested up and ready for Buffalo.
3: Yes. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do a little bit of mailbag, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the game and 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 tell you we'll get Mo's prediction. Mo Stradamus, uh, a, a weekly appearance now. He'll he'll put on his fez or whatever he's going to wear, and then we will do his prediction. Talk a little about the game, and we'll read your mail here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast, also heard on the Bed in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere, or Mo will find you. Welcome back! It is the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on the Bet in Las Vegas. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being part of Raider Nation, for caring for your team, and most of all, listening to us. We appreciate it. It's season seven for the show, covering the, the that is. We we go all year round, and we're continuing to be blown away by uh, your support. So thank you very much for that. We. Every month our numbers and 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 you guys listening goes up and up and up. It blows my mind. Um and I keep asking Mo, I'm like, "Mo, are you paying people or what are you doing? Like why is why are we growing so fast?" And he said, "Ah, it's just me, man. It's Midtown Mo."
4: I have a big family in South Carolina, <laughs> North Carolina. So, the, all the viewers are basically just uh people with the last name Moten or Watson <laughs> maiden name. Uh, a lot of those people out there viewing the show Shout out to y'all for boosting up our numbers. Y'all. I know you're out there, y'all, because I'm my southern roots. So I gotta That's say right.
3: y'all, That's thank right. y'all
4: out there for boosting our numbers. I see you. Don't think I don't see you and, and appreciate you tuning in and downloading our episodes.
3: Absolutely awesome. And uh, make sure you read most stuff up on Bleacher Report and of course on sportsnot.com where you can catch both of our work. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. All right, we're gonna get right to mailbag. For those of you watching on on YouTube, you can see me looking to the side because I'm getting to the the computer. All right. So we have uh, Carlos. Our first notice from Carlos. Carlos is out in Aurora, Colorado. So imagine being a Raider fan having to live in Bronco country. Oh, gosh. Um, But Carlos says, hey, thanks for putting out one of the better Raiders show. Thank you. We appreciate that. I will judge this team after the quarter mark. I think this team will have a lot of close games, which the fan base will not like. Not happy with some of the aspects in the, of the defense and the offensive play, but it's always just win, baby. That is uh, Carlos. He goes by uh, AKA CL Audio 28. And I think that's uh, on. You know who that yes. is. Yeah. Yep. So I know we, who that did. is. So Carlos finally mm-hmm. writes in. We appreciate you writing in. But he's got a point there. You, you don't really know what a team's going to be like until you get to about week four, five, six you start to you start to know who people are right and then by thanksgiving you know fully but but overall i think he's right there and then his point about a lot of close games mo i think this is where you're going to see that and it does drive fans crazy cuz as a fan you go into a game uh, against the bills for example and let's say it's a close game and they lose cuz it's on the road it's it's tough fans you know you get the hope up because you're there you could have if you just made that one play and this one play but when you're a team in transition and you need more talent, you tend to have a lot of games that way.
4: Right. And, and first of all, shout out to Carlos, because he's at a lot of my Bleach Report live shows. Very active participant in the chat. I read a lot of his comments. We have a back and forth. Appreciate you, Carlos. Thank you for tuning in and writing the show. And I agree with him. It's hard to judge a team off the first, you know, one to three games. You don't know what the team is yet. There are some teams that start slow. They have a rough first week. I remember last year, quick side story. I remember last year I wrote an article saying that the Bears are going to be the worst team in the league. What happened? The Bears go in, they beat the 49ers in a, in a rainy game. There's like a monsoon. Bears fans are huddling up in my mentions. Oh, Mo, what happened? We, we beat the 49ers. We're back. And what happened to the Bears? They had the worst record in the league. They had the number one world pick. They traded it. But my point is you don't really know after the first game. Now, while Raider fans should celebrate beating the Broncos, Let's be honest about the Broncos. A lot of people don't expect them to win a ton of games either. They expect Russell Wilson to be better with Sean Payton. But were the Broncos a a Super Bowl contender? Were they they a firm playoff contender before, you know, as people talked about them in the offseason? No. So, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the Raiders or trying to put a a damper on the win. But now they're stepping up in weight class. Now you're Mm -hmm. going against the Buffalo Bills, who are flawed – But I've won a division, I believe, three, four consecutive years in the AFC East. So this is the class of the AFC East you're going up against. Uh, Josh Allen, who put himself in the limelight and said, this is my fault for the first loss against the Jets. And he knows, I'm sure he watches sports radio and uh, watches sports TV, listens to sports radio. You got people saying, oh, Josh Allen sucks. He's a bum. (laughs) He's nothing without Brian DeBall. He's a competitor. Naturally, his competitive juices are going to kick in. He's going to try to put together his best game against the Raiders defense and the Raiders may get his best shot in a while because he now hears the chatter that
3: he sure. isn't that good motivating, anymore. Like so you said, the Raiders have to, you.
4: the Raiders have to be careful, not be careful because I'm sure they understand they're not going to underestimate Josh Allen. But for the fans out there who say, you know, Josh Allen's bump, pump the brakes on that one. The Raiders are trying to come up. The Bills are at the top of the AFC East. This is a big test for them.
3: Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again uh, for the for the message, we appreciate that. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you already don't do it. We get a lot of the listener mail. We have another piece of mail here who comes from somebody who who interacts a lot with us on Twitter, but also is always in the YouTube chat. So uh, we'll we'll call him out here in a second. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss out. But it's Vic Romero from L.A., one of our biggest markets. By the way, it's one of the biggest. Markets for downloads of our show is Los Angeles, so thank you guys all uh, to the folks in the City of Angels. says, what up, guys? I like this message, by the way. Good humor. What I want to know is, why did Hoyer come in for Garoppolo on those couple plays when he was out? (laughs) Everyone, including my 98-year-old grandmother, who, by the way, moves faster than Tyree Wilson... <laughs> knows that O'Connell is a way better quarterback. I get O'Connell is a rook and Hoyer is a vet, but come on, man. Please, someone explain this to me because I haven't heard anyone talk about it. Thanks, guys. Love the show. That's our good friend, Vic Romero in Los Angeles. And I want to start with this one, too, because the technical explanation is that Aiden O'Connell was the emergency quarterback. So he cannot play. Now, Garoppolo, if he was hurt and was out, then he becomes the number two quarterback. But I think what's happening here, and as great as O'Connell did, I mean, we even have the t-shirt, by the way, go buy your t-shirts, help the One Nation Foundation. But the issue is, though, I think what they're trying to do is be very prudent and careful with Aiden O'Connell, who may play this season at some point. But I think they don't want to rush him into it or put undue pressure on him and make him, well, you're the number two quarterback, Right. Why? You you don't necessarily do it. I understand, Vic, because I rather see him play than Brian Hoyer, who's just going to hand the ball off, right? I get that piece of it. But, Mo, I think, to me, that's what they're doing. They're managing him, knowing that he could be special. We don't know yet for sure. He hasn't faced real, real competition. But I think they're just trying to make sure they bring him along.
4: And you are right. You hit the nail on the head. There was no way Aiden O'Connell could come in as the emergency third quarterback because he can only that emergency third quarterback can only come in if the first two guys are unable to play. Correct. So I guess the question becomes: Why isn't Aiden O'Connell the number two quarterback going into the game? Right. And to answer your question, you don't know what situation is going to arise in the game, and I don't think you want to put a rookie in the game for his first snap in the red zone because that's where Brian Or had to come in. Uh, those are red zone snaps. So it's it's one thing to have a rookie who's only playing the preseason against second, third stringers. Oh, yeah, go in, in, in the red zone against a tough Denver defense and go do something other than hand the ball off. It, it just wasn't going to happen. So I said, as I said, until they feel like he's ready to handle any situation that they throw him as a number two guy, because you have to be ready for anything if you're the number two guy, whether it's going in on the red zone, driving a team down in the fourth quarter, I don't think they have enough trust in the rookie yet to put him in those situations if they were to arise. They obviously trust Brian Hoyer, who's been around the league and seen a lot more, obviously, than Aiden O'Connell, who's a rookie.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Good answer. And Vic, great email. The humor about Tyree Wilson. Yes. Shout
4: out to your grandma, too. See
3: your grandmother in that four-point stance, man. If she can do it, I mean...
4: Hey, if she's got a faster get-off than Tyree Wilson, maybe we'll have someone else who can get after Josh Allen on Sunday.
3: Yes. Yes. By the way, a quick mention. So we're going to have um, we got about three minutes left in the show. We're going to get to the prediction <laughs> here in a second. But um, we have the postgame show coming up on Sunday. It's an early game for those folks on the, on the East Coast. It's a one o'clock for West Coast. It's a 10 o'clock. We're still going to do our show. And if you come into the YouTube chat, we're going to be doing some giveaways. So we're going to give away a set of the Raiders Fisher Price Little People. If you go back a couple shows, you saw that. I'll show it. I'll show it on our next show when we do it. And then also, our good friend Dan at DC4L Custom Tees, who did the Midtown Mo shirts and the, the Irish Cannon shirts, we're going to be doing a bunch of giveaways, multiple giveaways on Sunday uh, of Raiders t shirts. So make sure you go to DC4L Custom Tees, T E E S. Dot com. Look at their stuff. Buy stuff there. It's great stuff. Get your Midtown Mo hoodie. Get your Irish Cannon hoodie. You can get a green one, too, which is kind of cool. I know everybody wants black. I get it. But anyway, we're going to have a bunch of giveaways, so make sure you come on the live, uh, the live show on Sunday to do that. We'll also have some more giveaways next week during our weekday shows. Okay? We're going to have some kind of – what's it called? Um, Kind of find and or hide and seek kind of stuff, some games, gamesmanship next week on the show, uh, because Dan Dan is so happy with how you guys are reacting to the Midtown Mo and the Irish Cannon shirt, but also how Raider Nation supports his business, so he's given us a buttload of giveaways. So stay tuned for that. All right, Mo, we got a couple minutes left. The Raiders in Buffalo. I'm going to start with this one because I'm I'm actually. I'm picking the Raiders. I'm not going to give a score. I, I leave that to most Adamas. But I'm going to pick the Raiders against the spread. I think the Raiders are going to cover. I'm not saying they're going to win outright. I think they could. But I think they're going to cover. I think it's it's a, a lock. Our good friend Vincent Frank, our editor up at Sportsnet.com, picked that as well. So give him shout-out. I think they're going to do it, man. I think whether or not they win, we'll see. But I think it's going to be closer. I think Josh Allen's going to struggle. As mad as he is and as much as he's got to prove, I just sense something with the Bills team. I like them, but I just sense something, and I think the Raiders are going to put it together, and I think the Raiders are going to stay close.
4: I'm going to break a couple of hearts here. I know I am. (laughs) but (laughs) 30-point loss. 30-point loss. It's like, oh, here goes Mo, doom and gloom. Negative Nate Mo, here we go. No, I. I Miserable this is what mo. I predicted. Miserable mo. Here we go. Miserable, Miserable. mo. <laughs> but I, I, I wrote a bleach Report column. It's, it's gonna go up. Uh, actually, it's up today, Thursday. Went up in, in the morning, so you can all see it. Just so you know, I'm, I'm not pulling anyone. Everybody's leg scrolling
3: here. right now. They're listening now. They're scrolling. Uh, what is that
4: bad? What's, he, what's that? What's see. What's that? I have Bills winning thirty-one okay. twenty-one. I think I, so I need. I need to. This is this is the thing. I need to see the Raiders defense step it up before I believe in it and pick them over a team that could put up a lot of points in a hurry. They're Until I it. see it from this, and I've and I've and, and it feels like I've said this for twenty years. The Raiders <laughs> defense to be just solid, but as we pointed out today, we talked about it. Tyree Wilson is not ready to to, no. to have a full time role yet. Is Malcolm Kuntz going to get more snaps to get pressure on the quarterback? If not, who else? Other than Max Crosby. I know Jerry Tillery had a sack, and that was a coverage sack because they had good coverage on the back end. But other than Max Crosby, who's going to force Josh Allen to make those bad throws? Because the Jets have one of the top two or three defenses in the league outside of the Dallas Cowboys. The
3: Malcolm Kuntz homecoming game. I'm telling you. He's going to have a big game. He's going to have a big game. I'm not saying he's going to have three sacks, but but he's going to have a big game, be disruptive, and I know, like, people always get mad at me because I'm objective. And, oh, uh, you don't like the Raiders. You grew up a Charger fan, blah, blah, But I'm I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. I just had this feeling came over, Mo. I just feel like they're not only going to cover. Again, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think they're going to cover. And I think it's going to be a good game. And I think they're going to prove a lot to people with this game. Now, if they lose 50 to nothing... Uh, I won't be on the show Tuesday. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I, I just feel it. I feel it. And I, you, to your point about being skeptical, absolutely. Everybody should be skeptical to a certain point. You got to go prove it, to talk it, to feel it, whatever. You got to prove it. And, and so they have a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for them to do that. Someone
4: asked me today on Twitter X, they asked me, what would the Raiders have to do for me to move off my six to seven win prediction for the Raiders? I said, if they beat the Bills. I'll change my tune. They beat the Bills, and the defense looks good. I'll change my tune. But until then, until the defense shows me that it is a different vibe, because that's all we've been hearing. Again, this offseason, oh, the interceptions, the fumbles. This defense is different. This defense is different. It's coming together. Okay. All right. You got Josh Allen, who's throwing a bunch of picks in his last five games. Let's see it, Raiders defense. Step it up.
3: So, Mo, if the Raiders beat the Bills, will you eat a handful of candy corn?
4: oh my gosh
3: here we go <laughs> here we tweeted with it. the other day about candy so it just came up
4: i'll eat five pieces of candy corn
3: oh if they beat the on bills. the
4: show on the show closest to halloween i will eat five pieces okay. of candy corn there you go on the show i might eat it on my bleach report live as well if the raiders beat the bills
3: yes and either way i will eat buffalo wings whether yeah, I'm to w- I'll probably have buffalo wings on Friday, <laughs>
4: actually.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. My favorite are the Korean ones, which aren't buffalo wings. They're co- barbecue Korean wings, double fried. Oh, mm. good stuff, man. Anyway, good deal. Okay, Mo, so, so you said 31-21. <clears throat>
4: yes.
3: Okay, so there you go. Mo right. says 31-21 Buffalo Bills. I say it's going to be closer to that. I don't know if the Raiders will win. I'm kind of feeling it a little bit. I just think it's going to be a lot closer to that. So I'm going to bet the Raiders I haven't bet the Raiders in a while, but I'm going to bet the Raiders this weekend. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. So we'll see how it goes. All right, my man. Um, we know you have a Bleacher Report live coming up after the game as well. People can That's find right. there. You have your column, or excuse me, your story up today on Bleacher Report. Anything dropping on Sports Not this week?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Forget what I said about the prediction. I wrote a column on Sports Not, telling you and everyone listening what can the Raiders do to beat the Buffalo Bills. I had three suggestions. All on defense. Because <laughs> I think East the time. offense, even, even without Jacoby Myers, I think the offense needs Josh Jacobs to get going to win this game. But there are three things on defense, three roster moves on defense that I think the Raiders need to make in order to get Josh Allen to throw those interceptions. Also, as you said, post game show after the Bills Raiders game out on the East Coast. So that'll start at four o'clock, assuming the game is over at the four quarters. If it goes into overtime, I'll be there at the overtime. The other thing, this is not anything that I'm doing, but Raider Dad has been nominated for Best Nonprofit Organization, Best in Las Vegas. I pinned that tweet to my, uh, pinned that post to my X handle. Please go vote for him. Not because I also contribute via my Midtown Mo t-shirts, but because he is doing great things, bringing Raider family, bringing families to Raider games, getting giving kids their opportunity to be exposed to some of their, I guess, childhood heroes, and just having the family experience of. Being at you know the parking lot and it's, you know before the game pre gaming after Tailgate, the game baby. tailgating all of that stuff just giving kids that wouldn't have had the opportunity to have those experiences those experiences through his organization is huge for the Raider community and Raider Nation. Please go support him. Please go vote for him. Best non profit organization for best in Las Vegas.
3: Absolutely. In fact, we're gonna we're gonna have Josh on next week. We got to call him and have him on because the first home game will be next yes. Sunday. So we'll have him on to talk about what they're doing so that you can get out there and support him or support them financially, whatever you do. If you're a season ticket, we have a lot of folks who are season ticket holders that listen to this show. And I know a lot of you sell some of them occasionally, which is, I know, tough for some of you to understand. But also, uh, sometimes you just can't make a game and you really want to either give the tickets to somebody. This is who you give the tickets to. Imagine making that possible for a child and his mother or father or all of them to go to a game that they could never be able to go to without your help. So it's a great thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Mo, because we'll, we'll get Josh on. we got to have him on. All right. Um, also, you can catch up on Sports Not today. I have my weekly Raider piece where I kind of get you up to speed. Not everybody reads every day, so if you want to know kind of what was said, what's going on with the team, uh, cover all the media availability. So I, I do a piece for Thursdays on the Raiders going into the weekend, so check that out as well. We love it. Okay. Now it's time to say thank you to the man who puts us all together. And that, of course, is our producer, Mike Rabier, who does an amazing job for us. So we certainly appreciate it. all those social videos you see, all that. He cuts that all up for us. Just a fantastic dude. And we certainly appreciate him. He's made our show much better. So we will see you guys live, myself and Murr from Raiders Fan Radio, after the game on Sunday. Might have tomorrow a silver and black blitz. So stay tuned for that one as well. And then uh, Mo and I will be back here uh, early next week to get you caught up on what might be a Raiders win or not. So we'll talk about it then. For Mike Robbie, for Mo Mouton, I am Scott and This has been Silver and Black Today. Everybody have a great weekend and enjoy the game. And we will talk to you Sunday night.